You know, there's probably nothing that confuses us more uh, than love, right? I mean, it's just so weird sometimes. But it's also uh, the thing in the world that fuels us and occupies our thoughts and our hearts and our goals and our dreams and life. There's nothing like being in love. There's nothing like being in a relationship. And a lot of the other stuff that we do and things that we think about and what we pursue in life really has this program running in the background, doesn't it? Come on. At the end of the day, one of, if not the most important thing that comes to our mind again and again all throughout our life is love life. We're starting a journey together today trying to figure out how to get love right. How to do this whole dating, love, marriage thing and how to make love last. How to make it real and genuine and strong. And better than what we've seen in the movies and heard in all the songs. Many of you, you know that guy, don't you? (laughs) I went out with him. Or you are that guy. (laughs) Maybe you know it and maybe you don't. And gently, over the next several weeks, we're going to try to pull the layers off and ask God to Help us understand what this is all about. This series that we begin today is going to be in six parts. And it will, every week, be addressed to both singles and to couples. Those of you who are dating, those of you who are engaged, those of you who have been married just for a little while, and those of you who have been married for a long time. I know you've probably heard a lot on this subject. By the time you were in fifth or sixth grade, your mom was giving you advice. (laughs) By the time you went to your first dance, your friends were kind of telling you, here's how this works. And somewhere in the midst of that, in all the magazines and the TV shows and the music, we kind of landed on how we approach relationships. We did this in dating and marriage. We also did it with friendships. And all the relationships that that we have around us. I've read a lot on this subject too. I've listened to a lot of messages. I have shelves and shelves of books. So, me too. Me too. So, I'm going to try to bring some new angles and some thoughts. Because I know that if I stand up here in a couple of weeks and I just give you cliches... Or I just tell you stuff like, oh, here he goes on that deal. I kind of predict what he's going to say because that's what everybody says when it comes to this area. I've struggled with, you know, God, do you have something fresh? Do you have some different insights for me to share um, and some thoughts that would maybe make a difference with some of the issues that we don't talk about a whole lot or some of the ones that we do, but we bring the same worn-out solutions and sometimes they're, they're good and sometimes they're not. 
I want to bring something to the table that's going to help you. And I've struggled with this series more than any series I've done all year. You can ask the staff. (laughs) You can ask my family. I have driven them crazy talking about it. I shared with my wife. I've even felt an oppression as I've hammered uh, this out and tried to arrange my thoughts and to organize the content uh, and to break this down to where it would be in, in proportions that we could understand and apply. Uh, I've asked the Lord, God, what do you want me to address and what do you want me just to not try to, to squeeze in? And here's, here's where I am this morning. I honestly believe that we're going to learn some biblical principles that are going to save us. You're going to save others around us from more broken hearts, more damaged emotions. It's going to give us some information that's going to meet some deep needs in this area of our life. Now, typically when I talk about this, uh, I've talked about this to unmarried couples. And then I taught a marriage builder's class for about 15 years. So I talked in that context to couples who had just been married for a while. A lot of my counseling, about 3,000 documented appointments, have been with couples who have been married for several years and are experiencing uh, trouble. And I've tried to just step back and think, God, what are the things that are running in the background? What are the things that are really important to us that are going to help mend some broken hearts? I think this is going to be life-changing for some of us. And it's not because I'm doing it. It's going to be in spite of the fact that I'm doing it. Uh, What it's about is that there are some overlooked truths. There's some unapplied principles in our society. America, we are failing miserably at relationships. We are failing in our love life. I have felt a calling to speak about this deep down inside for some time. And I hope that you will do whatever you have to do. And I don't ask, I don't think I've ever asked this in a series. I hope you will do whatever you have to do over the next six weeks to be here on Sunday morning. When I step back and look at my relationship with my wife, my relationship with my friends, with my family, with the people around me, there is nothing except my life in Christ, my faith in Jesus, that is of a higher priority. Not my job, not my ministry, not any of those things. It's about the relationships. And I've got a feeling... uh, If it's not true, it ought to be true, and it probably already is with you too. The thing that keeps you up at night, the things you worry about, the things you think about, yes, it's the promotion. Yes, it's, you know, how much is in the account, and it's it's all of those things. But you think about your kids. You think about your parents. You think about your girlfriend. You think about your husband. That is what dominates our life. Because we were wired and built over everything else that we are and what we do in life to be in relationships. That's who we are. 
So I hope you are here for the next six Sundays. Now pray for us this week. Joe and Daniel and I are going to Haiti in the morning. We'll be back uh, before next weekend. But this week's going to be pretty hectic. We're going to be trying to put together some details and nail down some logistical uh, you know, things that have got to happen for our spring break trip uh, next March. We're excited to, to offer the opportunity for a church-wide project. Uh, every place is difficult when you try to take a large amount of people. Third world situations make it even more difficult. Haiti raises the bar yet again just because of the brokenness, especially after the earthquake last year. We believe God's calling us uh, to this. So pray for us this week, but I'm going to be really distracted and try to do a lot of things ahead of time, but I'm going to be thinking about this and, and have my stuff with me. So uh, pray that God will be able to speak to me and that our hearts, all of our hearts, my heart and your heart, would be prepared for the seed that God's going to drop into our souls over the next several weeks. I just, I'm going to stop talking about that, but I just emphasize, I think it's important. I think it's one of those things that if something clicks in your head, eh, God, I think, I think this is one of those things you want me to be a part of. The thing is, falling in love is so easy, right? I mean, did you have to work at that? I, gotta, I, was, I was in love by fourth grade with Miss Oliphant. I, just, I mean, I, it was, I, didn't, I didn't see it coming. It just, she just walked in one day, and I just, oh, there went my heart. All it requires to fall in love is just a pulse. But staying in love. Making love last for a lifetime, that is going to require a plan. But that's what's deep in the heart and heart of every one of us. It's difficult, especially in in grueling circumstances that we all face day in and day out. There are all these distractions and people and projects pulling on us. Uh, Making love last in, in the midst of the pressure of life and career struggles and stresses and all the responsibilities that we have. There's an unpaid bill and, oh, there's this crisis and so we're going to set everything aside to try to get this fixed. You know, all of that's just, it makes it so difficult. Most of us, is this true? Most of us probably don't make it out of high school. Probably, especially not college, without a broken heart. There's scars on our self-esteem. There is an emptiness or sometimes gaps in our soul. There's injury from the relationships. We bounce back from losing a job or from failing a test. But there's something about the hurt that comes from relationships, stays with us, becomes a part of who we are. For a long, long time. My purpose and my goal is to diminish that. And to help us understand how to have joy and light and life and success without so much hurt, without so much brokenness around us. Because America, we're not doing this well. When the relationship starts... When you're falling in love, and I don't know if you've ever been in love, either close up or from a distance, you know, with somebody, everybody, it's, it's being done carefully, right? Like a dance. You're asking her friends, well, what did she think about that? Well, she loves blue. I'm going to go buy a blue shirt, you know? And, you, and it's this dance that we do. 
Kathy and I took dance lessons, and, and I, you know, I already knew. all The dance I knew, other than those cool 70s moves that I can still bust out when the time comes, um, was the businessman shuffle. You see it a lot at weddings, right? People get up, and, and guys just kind of, well, this feels right. Let's just walk over here. And they, you know, and they just kind of, that's what I call it, the businessman shuffle. They're just kind of, and we call it dancing. And there's always that one awkward guy that about halfway through a wedding reception decides, I can really dance, you know, and he starts, and you're going, oh, and you're you're trying to YouTube it because it's just so awful. So when we meet somebody, it's it's like we want to get this right. We took dance lessons. We took ballroom dance lessons because we thought, we we need to know how to do this. If we're ever somewhere and we just want to get up and, you know, so we learn. And I can remember thinking, I want to get this right. One, two, three, four. One, two, three. You know, and you're, and oh, hold the little bird. And, you know, and you're doing all these things and you're trying to figure out because you watch your steps carefully. And then, now, because of my personality, some of you, you know, you're, you're out there, you're extrovert, you don't care. I did a wedding not long ago and there was a lady who absolutely should have been pepper sprayed. Um, <laughs> She was going wild. I mean, it was just like, I'm not going to dance with someone or with everyone. I'm just going to dance. You know, and she and somebody yelled at her across the room, the preacher's still here. (laughs) She is, uh, I just can't even talk about it, but she said, I'll dance with him. (laughs) And I just thought, no, you will. (laughs) It was kind of a crazy time. But most of, like, I'm self-conscious. You know, and I think, I'm, is everybody watching me? Are they looking, am I doing it right? Uh, and love is kind of like that. We want to impress each other with our fancy footwork. And we're doing the dance with this person that we're falling in love with, and we're careful not to step on their toes, and they're being careful not to step on our toes. But no matter how long uh, that falling in love stage lasts. And I know some of you are probably going to send me an email saying, you're not romantic at all. And I don't, I'm not going to like this series. But I'm going I'm to speak truth as much as I can. No matter how long that stage lasts and how passionate it is and just how oh, swept away you are, some of that is going to come to an end. Some of those feelings that you have... <sighs> It's not gonna. It's not gonna last. It's not gonna last like that, at least forever. And when the dance suddenly gets transformed into something else, and they stop worrying about stepping on your toes, and this this beautiful choreographed dance turns into a kickboxing match. <laughs> it turns into a wrestling. You know, it's like you know, and you think, what happened to our dance? Because suddenly. Or gradually, it's just not what it was anymore. And into this dance, into this relationship comes tension and stress and a struggle. And it's no longer like, we're so crazy in love. It's more, you drive me crazy, but not like you used to. (laughs) It's not the same thing. Because there's some things about you that I didn't see at first. How did I miss that, that you were this way? 
And there's stuff about me that I didn't particularly want you to know when we started dancing. So I kept that hidden. And I was on my best behavior. Just imagine, uh, just imagine for a minute, especially you singles, check this out. What if there were, I think it would be wonderful, if there was a truth in advertising for people. <laughs> think about it. If you were online at one of the dating services, you know, and people kind of, they've studied all night for what to write, and they've put their best photo in and all of that. Or maybe you're at a social event, and there's a lot of other singles there, you know, and you're, you're, you're kind of hanging out, you got on your favorite clothes and everything. Wouldn't it be helpful if everybody just had a tag on with the truth in advertising about themselves on it? Wouldn't that be great? Guys, wouldn't you just love to walk up to her and just flip the tag over, and it says, Huge black hole of emotional neediness. (laughs) Flee immediately. I'm going to go over to the punch bowl. I'll be, no, 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 you stay. Or ladies, wouldn't you love to go up and flip over his tag? And, and And it says, Severely impaired ability to commit. (laughs) Run. Wouldn't that be helpful? Just saved your whole night. And you've still got time to go to the drive-thru, get home, get some Netflix going. I just saved you Friday night. Let's start with Romans chapter 15, verse 5. Now what I'm going to do is read verses 5 and 6 alone, and then I want to ask you to join me in verse 7. And we're going to read it out loud together, okay? And here's what verse 5 says. May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with one another. It is fitting for the followers of Jesus Christ. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's read this together. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. Isn't that a great verse? You ought to mark that one. Now, how has Jesus accepted you? As is, just as I am. With all of your slight irregularities, with all of your quirks, with all the goofy stuff, you know, that only your closest friends maybe recognize real quickly, Jesus just accepts. No strings attached. Because love is a person, and his name is Jesus. He invented it. He is it. And he's come to show us what love looks like. Remember, he said, a new commandment I give you, love one another. Not as your mama loved you, as sweet as she is or was, Not as your daddy loved you, not as your ex loved you, not as your current love of your life loves you. Jesus said, I'm going to give you a new, a brand new, and it means there's like three different words for new in the Greek New Testament, and this word means new of a different kind. Not new, improved cereal that looks and tastes suspiciously a lot like the same old cereal. It's new and different. He says, a new, different kind of commandment I give you. Love one another as I loved you. That's a game changer. 
that's different because we all grew up with some kind of subjective definition of love. And it says, well, I love you if you keep loving me. and I love you when this happens, when you're like this. I love you for... I love... And Jesus came to show us a different kind of love that is, I love you because I just love you. I love you regardless of if, regardless of when, regardless of for. I just love you, as Al Green said, for yourself. (laughs) I just love you like you are. Not about if, when, or for. And doesn't that just feel good to even think that that might be possible? To experience that? He came to show us a different kind of love that is, I love you because I love you. Now the question is, how do we take what he has shown us and what he's given us and make that happen in relationships? Now, I want to look very specifically this morning at just one kind of a big idea in particular. I want to look at one trap uh, that I think just get us started in this series that we all fall into sometimes at one time or another that just absolutely shuts down the flow of that as-is, come-as-you-are kind of love. Because when that as-is love is flowing, folks, there is nothing more beautiful, right? That connectedness, that intimacy, that, that, oh my goodness, I didn't know it could be like this. It's just amazing when that kind of love is flowing. But this trap that I'm going to talk about today, it just shuts that flow of love down to a little trickle. And sometimes it just even brings it to just an absolutely dry place. And this trap has to do a lot with your hopes and dreams that you've probably had for a long, long time about what love is and what it's going to mean in your life. And I'm going to talk about this trap, especially in the context of a marriage relationship, because I see it happen there more often, although it can happen in friendships, it happens in parent-child relationships, it happens in dating, it's just all, all over the place. It seems that marriage, though, is this lifelong relationship that just brings everything to the surface, doesn't it? Traps are sprung more quickly in marriage, I think, than anywhere else. It just exposes you with all your flaws, with all your good stuff, with all your weird stuff, I think, more than any other relationship. Now, I've done 90-plus weddings. The very first couple that I ever did a wedding for 30 years ago are in this room. The very last couple that I did just recently are in this room. Most of those 90 weddings have been here. And you see it when they come to the altar. And one of the beautiful things that I get to do as a pastor is usually, you know, the the groom and the best man and I will come out from this side and we will stand here. And we'll wait, and we stand here, and we go, do we want to do left over right or right over left? Okay, and we get all of that down, and we stand, and we're ready, and we're nervous, you know. And then those doors usually are the doors that open. And there she is. Ah, 
And I have this advantage of being able to see her and to see him. And it's probably one of my most favorite moments of the entire ceremony. And I usually step up on this step, so I'll be a little taller. Not that I need to be, but um, (laughs) real subtly, I kind of move. And she starts down with her dad or with some other significant person in her life. Or, you know, and he's, he's standing here and he's just about to bust. And he's looking at her. And, she's look, and somewhere along that aisle right here, they catch each other, the other's eye. And it's love. Oh, it's just so. But you know what? I've found that every woman that walks down this aisle and every man that stands here does so not just with the tux and the gown and the flowers and all of those beautiful things, but everybody comes down and they've got something they've thought about since you were a little girl. You've been forming ideas of what marriage is going to be like. So as you come, <laughs> maybe you've talked about it and maybe you haven't, but we have All of these hopes and dreams that are in our hearts. And we step into a relationship and we step into a marriage. And and, and I'm not saying they're good or they're, they're bad. I'm just saying that they're there. In fact, I don't think you can go into a relationship with no desire. You know, yeah, I don't care. Well, how do you want your marriage to be? Doesn't matter to me. I'd just like to be married. I don't know. I think it's better on taxes, isn't it? I, that's what m- Mama said, you know. I, and we, so some of those things are legitimate things. What I'm saying is you come into the relationship and you've got a lot of hopes and dreams. There's hopes about, oh, when we get enough money, we'll, have, we'll buy a house or we'll get a car, we'll go there. Uh, maybe we can, you know, and, and oh, our friends, my friends are just going to be their friends. Is that one of your hopes? He's going to like all my friends. She's going to love my buddies. Just one of the hopes that we have. <laughs> all those dreams that are built around, you know, how much time we're going to spend together. Oh, what's Christmas going to be like? You know, and before, before you get married, and you start thinking about, oh, Christmas is going to be, I can't wait our first Christmas together. <laughs> you know, and we just, we think about those things in all those areas. And the guy's thinking, okay, there's the relational part of me that wants to be with you. There's the independent part of me that needs some space. Please don't kill the independent part of me. You know, and there's all these desires and there's all these things. They're good. They're legitimate. So it's not really the hopes and dreams that are the big issue. It's the fact that they're there. Now, here's what happens. Something extraordinary over time, and it, it's always going to happen. Our dreams and our hopes for love life is slowly transformed. And what used to be hopes and dreams become expectations. You see, we move from this place where, oh, I heard he might come to the game. Oh, I hope he comes. What are you going to wear? I don't know. I just hope he's there. And you sit through the first quarter and finally think, he's here. He came. He came. I was hoping he would come. It's like a dream come true. <laughs> a little while later, where were you? You were supposed to be there. You were late. 
Why didn't come? Well, you, how come, you know, what was a dream is now an expectation. That's what happens. And when couples who are in love fall into this trap, there there are three options I can think of when your hopes and your dreams turn into expectations and her hopes and dreams turn and you collide and you both start trying to get your stuff done. Here's the first one. Depart. Just walk away. You just leave. I don't think I measure up to your expectations. Or, and you probably would never say this, I don't think you measure up to my expectations. You know, I think you just decided I'm not good enough or I'm not what you thought I was or what. And so, uh, you know, and you ever, you ever had that conversation? A lot of us have. First time I ever had that conversation, I'm driving and somebody's being real quiet. I'm like, what's wrong with you? I don't feel the same. Are you okay? What was wrong? No, I don't feel, I don't like you anymore. Get out of my car. <laughs> it's just the way we roll in Fraser, okay? You think, I didn't see that coming. But at some point, you just say, we're done. Let's break up. I think we need to break up. Or let's get a divorce. Because I'm leaving. I'm out of here. But here's the problem with that. When you leave, guess what you take with you? You see, you came in and you had, you know, all these these hopes and these dreams. And a lot of them, you know, kind of got transferred over and they became expectations. And so now you go into this next relationship and you think, I've got... And you take it all with you. Except for the ones that didn't make it. <laughs> She's like freaking out that I'm going to... Okay, you know, and they just... Somewhere along the way, your dreams died. And your hopes were diminished. And so as you move through life, you just give up on some areas. Or you go into yet another relationship, and I know there are folks who are on their second, third, fourth, fifth try trying to get this love to last with someone, and it begins to unfold in a hauntingly familiar way. It's like this, I don't understand, the same thing keeps happening again and again. Why? Because you know what? Because you've still got that same box of expectations. That you just carry over. So one option is just to part. The other one is just to dominate. Conquer. In other words, there's a, in some relationships, there's a dominant partner who just is stronger in their personality, is more persistent in the arguments, and they just win. And one person who's persistent says, if you're going to be in a relationship with me, you're going to jump this high because this is how high good husbands jump. I'll show you the book. I heard it on Dobson, and you and you and, and so you're jumping through this hoop. And now you got to jump through another, and you jump through this hoop. Okay, as long as you keep jumping through the hoop, we're fine. But what happens is that there's this feeling that begins to grow of, you know what? It's never going to be good enough. I'm never going to be able to do enough. 
I'm never going to meet your expectations. And what's interesting about this dominant option is that on the surface, you go to a party, you go to a social event, you come to you know, a Bible study class, and you think, they look okay to me. I think they're doing fine. But something else is going on under the surface. There's a rage, there's a resentment, there's a bitterness that begins to grow and grow and grow. Because here's what's being communicated in this relationship. You have to do what I expect or I don't think you're a good wife. And I've got a lot of people who agree with me. So that's it. And so we just keep jumping. And that leads to anger and resentment. And eventually what will happen is there's going to come a moment when it's going to burst. And it surprises everybody. Did you hear what he said? He's never talked to me like that. I couldn't believe. Or did you see what she did? I couldn't believe she did. I just thought, and there comes a point when, boom, it's all over. And here's a third option. You make deals. You make a deal. In other words, you compromised. The relationship became, you do your part and I'll do my part. You have your time, I've got my time. You got your stuff, I got my stuff. Uh, you have your interests, I've got my interests. You got your money, I've got my money. Your space, my space. And we just sort of work out either knowingly or unconsciously this contract and we keep track of all our expectations okay i got this you got yours and 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 everything comes down to that the problem is you no longer have a real loving relationship what you've got is a contractual relationship you're in a legal agreement it's not a covenant the way god designed and built marriage to be and don't misunderstand, I, I know compromise can be a very important tool um, in getting where we need to go and making love last, but compromise makes a terrible foundation for a relationship. Because what you're saying to each other, and this is true whether it's a friendship or whether it's a, a marriage, you're saying it's 50-50. You do your part, I'll do my part, and we're going to be fine. And the only foundation to make love last in all, at all is not 50-50, but 100% commitment. You've got to be willing to say, it's all on me. I'm going to make a total commitment to you. I'm going to be, I'm just, let me tell you my observation. There is nothing that will dry up all of the affection and just suck out all the tenderness, destroy all the oneness, erode all the intimacy, romance will be dead if you decide and you gradually morph and just move into a contract marriage instead of a committed covenant. And some of you know I'm telling the truth because maybe you're living there right now. We either get our rights or we get a relationship. You don't get both. Okay? And I'm saying this because I'm observing something a little scary going on in a generation around me where people want to hold on to their rights, but they want to be in a relationship too. You can't keep your rights. You've got to let go of them. Well, I have a right to... I, and he's... You want to be married, I'm just telling you, if you want to be married, that's not going to work. Listen to this scripture. Um... This is, this is about connectedness, and this is the secret to keeping your dreams. It's in 1 Peter 5.5. 5. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Here it is. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. 
God opposes. And what that means is he fights against. He's not just, you know what, if you're prideful, I'm not helping you. This literally says, God says, oh, you're going to be proud? All right, put them up, because I'm going to fight you about that. God says, I'm going to fight the proud, but I'm just going to give grace to the humble. So he says, when you come into a relationship, he says, just like clothes, put on humility. Wear humility around like it's your garment. Now, here's a question for you in terms of your, you know, special someone. Where have your expectations taken your relationship? Where are you on this spectrum of hopes and dreams to expectations? Now, real quickly, before we leave, I want to give you these three gauges. It's going to help you figure out almost immediately where you are. And these aren't just gauges, but they're also practices. Something for you to be proactive and exercise to do uh, so that you're going to end up back at your hopes and dreams. This is true whether you're single, whether you're married. And by the way, as we go through this series, some weeks I'm going to pay more attention to or talk more about singleness, and other weeks talk more about marriage. Some weeks more about engagement. So every week's going to address everybody, but it's going to kind of lean. So I hope you're here um, for those. Now, uh, these are steps, okay? These are this is homework assignment. First, first week... Um, It kind of works like this. You need to practice daily words of gratitude. Wow, that that sounds kind of simple. Daily words of gratitude. In other words, we don't expect gratitude for the things that we expect. Right? Have you ever had a bad roommate who ate your food, who drank your milk, who stole your coffee, who left messes in the sink? You know, and at first everybody was nice and everybody was, oh, oh, you wore my clothes again today. That's, that's so awesome. I can't believe you're doing that. You know, and it just, something began to happen uh, in that relationship. And we stopped being grateful to one another. And we don't express gratitude. You see, what happens if you don't express and if you just take for granted, oh, he's supposed to do that, he's the husband. Oh, that's what she does, she's the wife. Yes, when I open the sock drawer, there needs to be all my socks. We are married. You know, guys, you single guys, what would that feel like to open your drawer and there's all your socks? (gasps) You did my socks. (laughs) You see, what was a beautiful thing? It's just become an expectation. Where are my socks? I gotta go to work. You see, It becomes a debt-debtor relationship if we're not careful. That's the way that it works out. You think about this like, the the thing I thought about was like my credit card company. When I first got into a relationship with them, they were sending me these letters. And it was beautiful. I'd get the, have you ever gotten a letter from a credit card company wanting you to take out their credit card? It was so affectionate. It, It it was so beautiful. I mean, it's like they were flirting with me. They wanted to date me. They wanted to be in a relationship with me. They thought I was awesome. They were ready to give me t-shirts and beach towels. They talked sweet. In fact, one of them said, Dan, you are pre-approved for our gold card. 
My mama didn't even pre-approve me. (laughs) Not just approved, I was pre-approved. And then there was a line in the letter that said, Because Dan, you are special. I'm special to them. You know, I like to think that at the American Express headquarters somewhere that there's a room of people and and they're going through stacks and stacks of applications and somehow they got to mine and they thought, oh, he's special. Let's pre-approve him. (laughs) And they just, and they they did, and they wrote me and said, you're pre-approved and here's your card. And then something changed. Something changed in my relationship. Here's the thing. It started off like that in my relationship. But now, all they can say is, your bill is due in 15 days. And it's this much. And I pay it off at the end of every month. And you think they would appreciate that. But no, you know what? They just expect that. I never, after years of being with this company, I never get a letter from there going, Dearest Dan, we just received your last timely payment. You are even more special than we thought in the beginning. (laughs) We want to forgive all your debts. We just want you to have fun. I love you. American Express. Oh, you know what? Those words of gratitude in your relationship reveal what's going on at the core of your relationship. Now, here's the other thing. Daily acts of service. Daily acts of service. Here's a great passage. I've got to get this scripture to you before we go. Um, Philippians 2.3. Do nothing from rivalry. That's what a lot of relationships become. We're just in a contest to see who can win. Or conceit, because I think I am special. But in humility, count others. And you just fill in the blank. My mama, my husband, my boyfriend, more significant than yourselves. Each of you look not only after your own interest, but to the interest of others. What is interesting to him? What is important to her? Now that becomes important to me. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. You see how it takes it back to this is the way Jesus loved us. This is the way we love each other. So when you get done eating and you take your plate and you put it on the counter beside the sink and you think, oh, mom's going to get that, and you just expect it? Or you think, oh, my husband will take care of that and I'm just going to expect it and I'm not going to tell him, hey, you know what, I really appreciate you loading the dishwasher. That was an act of love. Do those things. Do the, some of you students who live with your parents, you need to hear this. Some of you singles who are living with roommates need to practice this now. Because here's the thing. You've got to be now who you're going to be when you're married. You don't wait till you're married and think, then I'm going to stop being selfish. I'm going to stop having my own. I'm going to stop. No, it happens now. It happens now. And someday, somebody is going to... Love you parents who enforce this. Someday you're going to have a daughter-in-law to come up and hug you and say, thank you so much for teaching him how to pick up his clothes. (laughs) Well, he doesn't just expect that and doesn't do these little acts of kindness. Now, here's the last thing. Here's the the third gauge. Daily awareness of God's love for me. 
If it's all about how Jesus loved me, that's how I'm going to love you. There's a direct correlation between the way that you let God love you and your ability to make love last with people around you. There just is. Because love is a person and his name is Jesus. And the kind of love we're talking about comes from God. Uh, It comes through Jesus to us. Here's what I've discovered. Here's what I'm figuring out. This was the pattern of my life for a long time. In my mind, I had this image of God, and he had these demanding expectations of me. I didn't see God's hopes and his dreams for me. I didn't see God's love. It's just like, here's the standard, here are the commandments, here are the rules, and if I don't do it, I'm not in. If I don't do it good enough, I'm not in. If I do it good enough, then maybe God's going to cut me some slack. Maybe I'll get to go to heaven one day. One day, it exploded in my mind. I was a college student on the campus of Union University, and it's almost like I could hear the voice of the Holy Spirit when God said, not only I love you, Dan, I like you. I want to be your best friend. I love you so much. I thought, me? Me? You're in love with me? Yes, I'm madly in love with you. And I got this crush on Jesus that never, ever went away. It's not just about, God, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to live up to a certain level of morality. In my mind, I thought, I'll just never be able to jump high enough for God. I'll never be fully accepted by God. And if I mess up, I'm out. Everything seemed to be contingent on me meeting those expectations. And I know in a room this size, there's a lot of us who, that's exactly how you relate to God now. You just translate that over into your human relationships. You see, and we live the same way with each other. The only problem is, or the good news is, that's not God. That's not who he is. Jesus came to show us who God is, and God chose relationship. He loved you when you were unlovable. There was nothing about you that would have attracted him or drawn him. While you were yet sinners, Romans 5, 8 says, Christ died for us. So there's nothing, if he loved me then, if he pursued me then, you know, there's nothing that I can do to make him love me more. There's nothing I can do to make him love me less. It's not about how religious you can be. He loves you for yourself. He just loves you. And he has desires for you and he has hopes and he has dreams for you. If you could get that. And just let him embrace you. That's why Jesus died. He knew you'll never be good enough to get my love. You're never going to impress me. You're never going to dance well enough. It's not about that. It's just not about that. I just love you like you are. And here's a question I want to end with for today. Let me ask you, what practices do you have in your life that help you to raise your awareness of the love of God on a daily basis? You know the song we sang right before? You know, this that last beautiful song? Have you done that? I mean, have you thought, thought about what Kevin said before we sang that? Have you really let God love you? Just Have you thrown your arms open wide and said, God, I just want to embrace you. I just want to feel your embrace. And that's all. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me. I'm going to let you think about this all week. But right now, I want you to think about it for this moment. And what does it mean? And I know that for some of you, you're 
maybe uncomfortable, but close your eyes. I want you to picture what is actually true at this moment, that Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, is right here, and he knows you by name. And I want you just to, to see him looking at you straight in the eyes, and his arms are wide open to you. I'm going to read you a scripture, and we're going to pray, and we're going to stand together. Paul said this in Romans 8, 38. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way Jesus, our master, has embraced us. You are invited into his embrace. And we pray this simple prayer, God, help us just to let you love us where we are. Help us to let you love us just as I am. I want you to think about that in the singular. God, help me. Jesus' arms are open for me. Let him love you so that you can get all freed up to let go of yourself and risk loving other people. Yes, you can hold on to your dreams your hopes, but all those expectations are released. God does something new and beautiful and different than you've had in all your other relationships. And it begins right here and right now. Would you stand with me? Father, thank you so much for today. Help us to change the way we do relationships, the way we approach you, the way we love each other. In Jesus' name.
Jesus, we just pray that we would give everything we have to you, God, in our relationships, in our life, in our moments, in our days that we have. Everything we have is yours, Lord Jesus. And wherever we are in relationships, Lord, you're preparing us for things in the future. You're not done with us wherever we are in our life. So I pray that you just help us, Lord, to, to daily, daily seek your face. To know that you're making us into what you'd have us to be. Lord Jesus, go with us from this place that we just sense your presence going with us. We sense it here in this place. And we might get out of the world and we just like, man, we're just all our own again. But Lord, that's not the way you designed it. So go with us from this place. Know that you want to live inside of us and that you're always with us if we'll just open ourselves to you. And let's pray this in Jesus' name. Let's sing this chorus one more time. Bless you. Have a wonderful day.